welcome back to another edition of what I like to call From Nonsense to God Sense as we take a look at some of the things that go on in this world through a biblical perspective. And if you've been following us the last few weeks, Dan Delzell and I, we've been talking about foundations last week or the last time we met. Depending on when you hear this, we're talking about the foundations, the, the Christian foundations, the biblical foundations of our country. And then we've had some conversations prior to that about the uh, biblical foundations of marriage and the biblical foundations of our faith. And and so with everything still kind of going on in the world with the craziness that we see, and it's actually the craziness is kind of moving away from the coronavirus and moving more into politics and rioting and, and some of that type of stuff. But uh, Dan Dozell, who writes for the uh, Christian Post, has uh, an article that... Uh, he's been working on, and it's called Coronavirus Change, Chaos, and Hope, and it kind of fits in to what we've been talking about here in this uh, kind of unofficial series on the uh, foundations that we have, and we're going to be talking about the three C's, and we'll get to know what the three C's are and how that affects us and, in reality, how that's going to help us. And, Dan, thanks for joining us again, and uh, thanks for writing this article. Oh, it's my pleasure, Son. Yeah, I always enjoy visiting with you, and uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, this discussion because, boy, it's, uh, it's affecting everybody today, and we're all we're all looking for some uh, you know stability and something uh, that we can really uh, you know really hang on to uh, because there's so much uh, that's so topsy turvy it seems. So we started out a few months ago. I mean, we started this podcast uh, uh, probably over about a year and a half ago talking about different things. But, you know, when the coronavirus hit, COVID hit, that kind of came a a focus of some of the conversations that we've had and how it's affected people and affected us and and society. And that led to the conversation of change. Now, there wasn't so much chaos back then, you know, four months ago, whenever it was. uh, But it was uh, a lot of change taking place. And since then, now that we've moved into the summer of 2020 and we see the political unrest and the other things going on, we're starting to see a lot of chaos, a lot of chaos, even in the medical profession when it deals with COVID, because we've got a vaccine on the horizon and we've got some doctors coming out on social media that's being banned by big tech. You know, and so now we're starting to see really a lot of chaos. So we've gone from the coronavirus, which still is here, but we kind of moved from the emphasis of that as far as the conversation. We've moved into a lot of change in our life, you know, talking about the new yeah. normal and, and things like that. Now we're really into chaos. I don't want to focus yeah. on the chaos because the last thing, the last word that you have, which is also the last thing in Pandora's box, which is the last thing that we all hold on to in any situation, and that is hope. So coronavirus, change, chaos, and hope. And hope yeah. is what we can lean on. And the hope for Christians, obviously, is the hope of glory, Jesus coming again, our faith in Christ. And so let's yeah. uh, let's talk about that. And let's, you know, start with the, the three C's as you write, not coronavirus change and chaos, but the other three C's that are better fitting for us here in this conversation. Well, I'll tell you, you know, Son, um, all of this is just kind of uh, merging together now. And, and as you say, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, big tech. Uh, it's just interesting, even just today, I was uh, noticing that, um, you know, some of those uh, guys like Zuckerberg and, and uh, some of those other guys are, um, you know, uh, reporting to Congress and, and they're being held accountable for um, just, you know, the way that they, they seem to be censoring, um, you know, conservatives and, and really, uh, you know, trying to keep uh, free speech uh, from their platforms. Uh, you know, I, I happen to read... Uh, an article where a particular conservative uh, uh, site, uh, Breibart, 
where they, their editor in chief was giving a, uh, an interview where he said that um, really it might've been since the last election in 2016, but the, the, the search content of if people are searching for items that um, would relate to like a, a, an article on Breitbart, that, that that has gone down by like 99.7% in terms of, um, you know, in other words, if somebody searches, let's say for, um, you know, one of the folks in the news today and Breitbart has written on that, um, you know, Google has managed to basically just remove, you know, almost all uh, of the uh, of the search, you know, ability to get to them unless you just plug in their name exactly. Now, I'm not, you know, trying to plug Breitbart per se, uh, but, um, you know, uh, certainly um, I believe that the conservative viewpoint um, is is one to be um, to be celebrated, and and Breitbart is one of uh, a number of, of sites uh, that, that that try to present that. But it's just amazing that you know they're being they're being shut down. Their um, uh, the, the content is being um, you know really uh, censored, and and so you know there's there are all there's all this going on, and uh, you know people are are starting to realize that. Um, and you, you know, you mentioned the thing with the coronavirus and the doctors. I mean, you know, we, we, we live in a nation where there is to be free speech and, um, and, and yet, you know, what we find is, is, is that people on the left don't, don't seem to want there to be uh, a particular voice if it doesn't match, you know, what, what, what they're proclaiming. So this just adds to, um, the chaos. This just adds to, uh, the frustration. And yet, even with all of that, Son, I, I don't find conservatives out rioting or, or conservatives celebrating uh, the riots. And yet it's, it's just amazing that, you know, they, they've just even been trying to get some Democratic lawmakers just to say that, you know, uh, it's, it's wrong to, um, to go and attack, you know, federal buildings. And it's just amazing how many of them can't even seem to bring themselves to say that. So, you know, you and I, we live in two kingdoms here. I mean, uh, there was a great article by uh, Dr. Michael Brown uh, on the Christian Post today where, you know, he basically is just saying, hey, you know, um, the church needs to do what it needs to do. The government needs to do what it needs to do. And, and, and yet, you know, we as Christians, we're operating in both kingdoms. Our main kingdom, of course, is, is the kingdom of God. And, and that is going to exist forever. And that by far is the most important kingdom for us. Uh, you know, and so we, we always want to be careful that um, we're, we're spending the majority of our focus and time helping to build up that kingdom. But we also know that, that you know, that the kingdom of this world here, uh, at least America, um, that it, it has a bearing on, um, you know, much of what, you know, Christians are trying to promote in terms of uh, truth and justice and compassion and, and love and, and protection, you know, for, you know, the unborn and for everyone else, uh, you know, every, every innocent person and vulnerable person needs to be protected, but we're operating in both kingdoms. And, uh, and, and, and so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're just trying to seek justice, um, in, in whatever way we can in this world. And, and because these two kingdoms overlap, um, it can get a little bit confusing at times. I mean, we see with, just the whole thing with churches today, you know, uh, some opening up, some not, some feeling like, you know, well, you know, we're going to open up because of what the government's saying. And others saying, well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to kind of base it on a, a variety of things. I mean, there's just all sorts of overlap that we're seeing today. And, um, and yet Christ is our hope. I mean, you know, in the midst of, of uh, coronavirus, 
uh, change and chaos. You know, there's that fourth C that, you know, Christ, uh, who said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And, and so um, today is a day, Son, where, where people need the Lord, you know, whether they realize it or not. And um, who would have who thunk that, you know, just seven months into this year, we, we would be seeing the, you know, the events occur that have occurred, uh, and then that you would have politicians and city officials seemingly endorsing it, seemingly supporting it, finding it, uh, you know, finding themselves unable to renounce it. Um, and, uh, you, you know, so uh, I, I would certainly think, Thon, that it would have to be um, next to impossible for a Bible-believing Christian uh, to, to be able to um, feel good about, you know, um, many of these positions that, that folks on the left, especially the far left, you know, are taking. But it seems as though those on the far left have just sucked in the rest of, of those uh, who, who don't want to seem to stand up to it. And, um, I mean, we've known for a long time that, that one of the two major parties in America, um, you know, supports uh, abortion and, and the other doesn't. And, and so that right there is kind of a no-brainer in terms of, you know, wh- which one of those two parties, uh, while they're both imperfect, they deal with many imperfect people, and, and, you know, you've got Christians who are, you know, in both parties, of course, but, but you know, how anyone today could, could say, well, yeah, you know, um, I- I'm fine with, um, you know, getting rid of law and order, getting rid of the police, um, rioting, attacking people in federal buildings. This has gone so far beyond protest. Uh, you know, just a silent uh, or a peaceful protest. And uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know how anyone who knows the Lord um, could ever justify those things. Even if they decided to remain somehow with that party, how can you, you know, as a Christian, um, how could you ever uh, endorse, you know, the chaos uh, that's going on? Um, and, and so it's just interesting how you got, you know, so many on, on the right, who, who seem to want to be standing up for law and order. And then you've got so many on the left who don't want to say a word about like what's going on in Portland. And I mean, it just floors me when I listen to like the mayor of Portland and, and some of these people trying to defend what's going on. So I don't know. These are crazy times. I guess that's another piece on craziness, but you know, in the end, um, you know, our, our eternal hope is with Jesus and, and we're going to be going with him here one of these days and, and going home to heaven. But, in the meantime, we work for justice, we work for compassion, we work for mercy, we work for people of every race, you know, we love people of every religion, um, you know, we are, we are against the prejudice, uh, we are against, um, you know, white supremacy or, or any other kind of supremacy that, that elevates some race above another, and, um, you know, we're, we're just trying to do what the Lord wants us to do, and, um, and so, you know, I'm just thankful for what you're doing, Son, and and getting this podcast out there so people can be, you know, wrestling with these issues from a Christian perspective. Yeah, it's interesting because as we look to the politicians and the people of this world, there's going to be no answers. You might get some solutions and you might get some, some, uh, you know, patching to cover the problem. But it's like you're right, mm-hmm. you know, feelings fluctuate, circumstances change, but Jesus yes. doesn't. And a relationship right. with Jesus provides the safety you know, direction, even peace, gives us purpose in this crazy world. We can have compassion yeah. on others. It gives us contentment and, of course, then eternal yeah. salvation, which is the most important. But when we look to Jesus, we've got the answers right there. And I think that's, that's right. one of the things that, you know, sometimes people ask me, aren't you more concerned with what's going on in this world? And, and why aren't you more, you know, uh, 
revved up about it, uh, you know, get excited about it. And there's, there's some, some issues that I do get kind of excited about. But overall, you know, my contentment, my peace, my purpose, my everything is right there with uh, in my relationship with Jesus. So I don't have to worry about these other things. I know he's in control. And the one thing that I've learned through our conversations here is to focus. We like to focus on the world that we're in right now. But we've got yeah. to remember that there is all eternity. This is just a, a mist in time. And right. there is all eternity. And to focus on all eternity gives us a new perspective on how we live this world today. Well, that that's right, Son. And, and you know, it, it's interesting because what we see in society many times uh, is, is a reflection of um, really, you know, both of the two uh major spiritual influences in the world. You know, you've got the spiritual influence of light and then you've got the spiritual influence of darkness. Um, and, and so the spiritual influence of light comes from the one who said, I am the light of the world. Uh, the spiritual influence of darkness uh, comes from that dark angel who rebelled against God in heaven. So even just that fact points to what you just were talking about, Son, in terms of, you know, eternity. I mean, you know, the angels were created uh, really, you know, before time began. We don't know when they were created. That's why, you know, we, we, we can't pinpoint, um, you know, how, how old the angels are any more than we can pinpoint how old the earth is. Because the earth was created before um, time began. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So that's an open-ended deal on the front end, uh, meaning this, um, you know, we we know that the Bible says that day one came to an end, but but we don't know. I mean, we, we can't, you know, put a, a pinpoint on, you know, uh, what the Bible means when it says in the beginning. You know, it's like in John 1, 1, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, so, you know, you, you can't just say that, well, you know, for so many thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of years ago, no. Uh, in the beginning, uh, points really to eternity past, if you want to call it that. Um, and, and so if we're going to talk about eternity past, we also need to talk about, you know, eternity future. I mean, it's all really just one. Um, what, we're, what we're experiencing right now, Stan, what's going on here, um, you know, in America, it, it, it's part of what's going on in the globe. And, and the globe is like this ball out in the middle of not just the universe, but out in the middle of eternity. Okay, so um, we would have a better sense of that, Son, if we removed two things. If we removed death and, and if we removed um, decay. Uh, so if we weren't getting older, um, uh, and I should say one other thing, and, and if we removed uh, the, the night, uh, the day, night, um, you know, light, darkness, if, if we, if it was light all the time, let's say, and, and if we didn't have death and decay, then we would have a better sense. But, but because we have those things, we, we kind of tend to think, well, there's this life and then there's the next life, but guess what? Um, you're already in the next life. You're already in eternity. You, you are an eternal being. The moment you were created, your soul was created. You are immortal. You are eternal. The only reason you kind of think of this life as being different than the next life is because we have day, night, day, night, day, night, and because you're getting older and because people die. And so we talk about how many years, you know, old a person is. Um, and in the Bible, you know, talks about, you know, of course, the, the history, how many years, you know, maybe somebody lived or, or, you know, how many years of this and that that took place. But, um, you know, 
when it comes to your soul, we don't talk about, you know, there's no such thing as an age uh, with your soul. This is why I think many people, you know, might say that maybe they're 75 years old. They say, well, I feel as young as I did, you know, when I was 20. Well, why is that? Because your soul is immortal because your soul is an aging. Um, you know, the only thing aging, you know, your body's getting older and you're getting aches and pains and your body's, you know, having issues because of, of sin and, and death in the world and, and just what sin does to the bodies. But if you take that out of the equation, you have a better sense of what eternity is. So people already in eternity, and, and coming back to my original point there, Son, you know, would we see lawlessness, uh, and whether it be um, the police officer on George Floyd's neck, or whether it be the lawless, violent, you know, protests, uh, whether it be, you know, an abortion doctor, you know, ripping into a, a mother's womb to, to, you know, take the life of an infant. I mean, you know, we give dozens, hundreds of examples of, of lawlessness, but these all come from spiritual darkness, okay? Um, spiritual light uh, is what Jesus brings. And, and so um, we're going to get to experience that forever in heaven. Um, we're going to get to enjoy the Lord's presence forever in heaven. And, and our biggest goal right now, far bigger than, you know, um, you know, who's going to be, you know, the, the president or, or, you know, what, what's the, the Congress going to do about, you know, this stimulus package or, or even, even things as significant as, you know, the riots and, and, and everything else. And they're very important issues, but far more important, uh, is, uh, the, the spiritual condition of a person's soul. Because just think, one immortal soul, son, think about how valuable that soul is. I, when you think that, you know, every human soul is going to spend eternity in either heaven or hell. How do we know that? Because God told us that in his word. Um, this life is very brief. Now, you know, you and I and, and most, if not all, you know, the folks that say listen, who listen to this podcast or many, you know, majority, I suppose, you know, live in this part of the world, in America. Um, but, but wherever you live in the world, um, your soul is immortal. Wherever you live in this world, when your body dies, your soul will go to one of two places. You know, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So no matter how good America gets or how bad America gets, uh, no matter how much justice or lack of justice takes place in America, uh, no matter what party, um, you know, maybe is in control of, of Congress or the White House or this or that for a few years and then it switches or whatever, okay, it's not going to change the fact, Son, that everybody listening to this podcast is going to spend eternity in one of two places. So, so the sooner we wrap our mind around that and, and make that priority, you know, number one in our life, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. The Bible doesn't say... Seek ye first the kingdom of the world. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved or, or, or be interested in what's going on in the world's in, in the kingdom here. Anything we can do to help um, to promote justice and compassion and mercy and love and fairness and equity and, and, and law and order and, and uh, you know, equality for all, regardless of race or religion. I mean, anything we can do to promote that is good. Um, and, and that's what the Lord requires of us. But, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all going to stand before our creator and we're either going to, you know, each person, you'll either be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Um, that white robe, the Bible talks about that is placed on your soul through faith in Jesus Christ. When you're saved, born again, justified, redeemed, and forgiven on the front end of your relationship with God, when you repent and believe the good news, you're clothed. Okay. Adam and Eve, they lost their clothing. Um, they sinned. 
They felt naked. They felt shame. They, they tried to hide themselves. And man does the same thing today. He tries to cover himself with his religion. Oh, you know, I did a bad thing. I better get to church. I better do this. I better do that. And, and so many people who are doing that, son, um, they've not yet come to Christ and said, clothe me, Jesus, cover me, you know, forgive my sin. And because that's how a person is born again. That's how a person is saved. That's how a person is given the gift of eternal life. Uh, and then sent out into this world to try to help others enter the light. So you hit it on the head, Simon, when you said, hey, you know, um, these other things, you know, I mean, you know, we talk about them and, and we try to do what we can, but but there, there's a much bigger picture here and a much larger issue going on. And uh, it's, just, it's just a thrill to be a part of something that, that God has set in place and, and shown us in his word is, is so true and, and so, uh, you know, so eternal. So, um, you know, this is where the strength, this is where God's power comes from through the gospel and just uh, God's love for us. Dan Delzell with me. And, uh, Dan, you write in the, this article that, uh, you've got people today. And before I get to it, well, I'll just, what you write is while some hearts today are filled with fear and trepidation, other hearts are resting on the promises and faithfulness of our loving God. And we see a, quite the contrast today in society that that's that's exactly what's going on. You've got this fear and trepidation of everything that's going on. You've got, you know, cities mm-hmm. on fire. You've got, yep. you know, media networks out there, you know, again, the asinineness of it all, where they're sitting there and saying there's peaceful protesting going on as fires rage right. behind them on the screen. Uh, right. You know, you've got congressional leaders up there saying one thing, and we're looking at news reports and reading things and social media and seeing completely a different story. And you've got a lot mm-hmm. of people that are relying on these individuals as mm-hmm. – their salvation, like, you know, the news media, these politicians, you know, uh, these yeah. leaders of Black Lives Matter movements and other activists, you know, those are going to be the salvation. But yet it just seems to um, continue to have that chaotic revolution going on and there's no peace. Yeah. And, and we yeah. like to look in the past. You know, we, we know from history that we learn from the past by studying the past. You know, that's the whole point of history. But yet we're putting too much emphasis on the past right now because the past is dead and buried. Sure, yeah, take down some statues or this was bad or that was bad. But what we're really missing the mark is on that second part of what you write where our hearts are resting on the promises and faithfulness of our loving God. And like you just mentioned, we can have that excitement of living in these times because God's in control, because we know what the future is going to hold. And there's a lot of opportunity in this day and age, kind of like there is in what the bear markets. People still make money in the bear markets. Everyone thinks the bull market is where we make all the money. But in the bear markets, people are still making money. Um, And so in these rough times as a Christian – there's still major opportunities for us to take advantage and have that kind of like windfall of reward, so to speak, or, you know, reap the benefits of a downtime because there's so much opportunity out there and we don't have to yeah. worry. You know, we don't have to worry what happens to us. And I think if we started to focus on more of the future or like you even put it, we're living the future now. It's just what are we going to do with this present moment of our future? We know what, you know, when we die and get right. to heaven, we know what eternity is going to potentially be like. You know, we have yeah. some understanding of it from the Bible and what what's going to potentially yeah. be like, although we don't know yeah. the actual specifics. But what can we do now to continue right. to live that future in the moment here? And there's a lot of opportunity for us to do that without having to worry, without having to be chaotic, without having to you know have fear exactly. and trepidation. You know, we can have the peace to live in today, even though it's going to be difficult because we know 
what the future is mm-hmm. going to hold, but we also can take advantage of the opportunity in this bear worldly market to help others yeah. and to be that yeah. light and to, you know, maybe bring others to Jesus and to be the example of biblical mm-hmm. times that other disciples and people were during, uh, you know, what, what we read about in the Bible. Oh, there's no question about it, son. And, and I love your use of just the term, you know, the market. Um, because um, something rather interesting with a particular stock's been going on now for a couple of days. Um, you know, yesterday, uh, President Trump in a press conference was touting um, a vaccine that's being made by um, uh, the Kodak uh, Eastman company that's known, you know, historically for, you know, cameras. But but uh, when everything went digital, you know, uh, they, that kind of left them out of the picture. They didn't seem to uh, ride the wave like, you know, some others uh, had, had been uh, doing. But now they've gotten into this um, development of, of a vaccine, and and I think they've been given I forget how many hundreds of millions of dollars of a of a project that they're working on. Well, to make a long story short, um, I think their stock opened up at something like maybe seven dollars a share here in the last couple of days, and uh, you know yesterday it was up like maybe two hundred percent. Today now it's like uh, up over four hundred percent from where that was. Up, you got up over. Well, I think you got at one point today up to sixty, but. Now it's like maybe at 40, but here's my point. Um, you know, if, if, if people had, you know, more people, let's say, had, had been confident or almost assured that, you know, I'm going to put some money into Kodak stock here, you know, first thing, you know, Monday morning or even Tuesday morning, let's say, because I think it really took off yesterday, um, you know, and, and to think, okay, so if I put $1,000 in that, boy, if I had to put $1,000 in there yesterday, um, and I got out here, let's say today, um, you know, I could have basically made about $4,000 in a day, you know, if only I had known, you know, uh, and so some people, you know, obviously were, you know, were writing that up. I, I noticed, I just looked at it today at one point it hit like 60, but then it shot down to, I don't know, like maybe closer to 40. I thought, boy, you know, anybody who got it at 60 and then, you know, uh, you know, they, they probably weren't feeling too good, but, but I say all that to say this on. Um, this is just with worldly wealth, okay? Um, you know, the stock market is a gamble, and some people win and some people lose, and some people probably come out even. Um, but, but when we talk about the value of our soul, Son, we're talking about something that, that you know, you, you know, every listener, you're going to be living in your soul, if you will. I mean, that's going to be the real you for eternity, okay? And, and, and so what Son and I are talking about today is we are so thankful to be able to share with you that you don't have to gamble with your soul. You don't have to like, you know, place a bet on God and hope that it pays off, you know, with heaven. Okay. It's not like, you know, um, you know, it's, it's not a risk. I mean, the only risk is to your earthly life, your earthly body, your earthly wealth. I mean, you may lose all that. Okay. But there'll be no risk to your soul. if, If you come to Jesus and receive him as your savior and Lord, you know, you are guaranteed an eternal inheritance, the Bible speaks of. Uh, and In fact, the Bible says God gives you the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, as a, as a deposit, you know, guaranteeing what, what he's going to give you, you know, forever in heaven. So, so what I'm saying is this, as exciting as it might be for some to think, boy, if I'd only invested in Kodak Eastman, you know, at the beginning of, of the uh, trading session yesterday and then gotten out, let's say today, man, I could have made a lot of money. Well, yes, you could have, okay? Um, but, but which would you rather have, you know, a few thousand dollars, you know, that you make in a couple of days on a, on a stock that shoots way up, or would you rather have the guarantee of eternal life in paradise with the Lord, with a heart that loves the Lord and a heart that loves with being 
with God's people and, and a place of great joy and peace and, and no illness and no death and, and no darkness and no sorrow and no pain and be guaranteed that if you invest your life in Christ. In fact, it is not going to be a gamble. It'll, it'll be a sure thing. Like I say, the only, the only risk that will be is um, you may lose some friends. You may lose some, you know, material things. You, you, you may lose some popularity. You might even lose your life, you know, just depending on, you know, where you live out your Christianity, you know, um, what, what, what country you happen to be living in, uh, you know, what, 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 you know, who's in control of that area and, and how do they feel about Christians. So you might lose your life, okay, but you won't lose your soul. And, and so, you know, this is why it is, uh, you know, a billion times more important to talk about the value of a soul than, let's say, the value of a stock or, or the value of your portfolio or the value of your retirement fund or your IRA or anything like that. I mean, what does that matter, you know, at the end of the day? What is your life? You're missing the appearance for a little while and then vanishes. You know, Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? So you could, what if, what if you invested in a Kodak uh, Eastman type stock, you know, every week? And every week you're hitting the winner, hitting the winner, hitting the winner, okay? And then you die, and you stand before the Lord, and you're spiritually naked, and you don't have a white robe. I mean, what's, what, 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 will, what good will it be? And, and we're not just talking about annihilation, my friend. We're not just talking about, well, there's either heaven or there's annihilation. You know, there's heaven, or I just tend to go to sleep and never wake up again, and I lose all consciousness forever. My friend, it's very important that you hear what I'm about to say, okay? And, and, and Son has, has, has just had us, you know, review this regularly on his podcast. But I, but I want to just say this, and I, and I just want to really encourage you, listen very carefully to this. There is nothing you can do to extinguish your soul, okay? The real you is going to, is going to um, be alert and conscious in one of two places for eternity, okay? This is what God's word brought to us. We, we, we would have never known this, you know? But God has revealed this. And in many people, I think, you know, in their conscience, in their heart, you know, many people kind of have this sense of, boy, I bet there is a heaven and a hell. But whether, whether you have that sense or not, I'm telling you there is because God said so. Jesus said so. Jesus spoke, you know, even more about hell than he did about heaven, but both are, both are real places. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. I'm going there to prepare a place for you, okay? So heaven is a place. Hell is a place. Um, and, and God wants you in heaven. God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So whether you're Republican or Democrat or independent or whether you're white or black or brown or, you know, whether you're currently an atheist or a Muslim or whatever you might be, you know, a Presbyterian, I mean, whatever you are, okay, it all is going to boil down to what have you done with Jesus? And have you trusted him as your savior? And have you repented of your sin? Um, and, 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 and if you do that, you know, regardless of your religious past, Okay, it's not about your religious past that's going to get you into heaven. It's going to be Jesus. Well, I was an atheist, or I was a Muslim, or I was a Buddhist, or I was, you know, I was a Mormon, or I was this. Um, you know, well, okay, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? Will you come to him today? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your soul. In the midst of coronavirus, in the midst of change, in the midst of chaos, okay? So, so that's what this podcast is on. Uh, has, uh, you know, that's what it's all about. You know, it's about that ultimately. So if we talk a little bit about, you know, things going on in the world, because we care about the world, you know, it's like, you know, just because we care about souls doesn't mean we don't care about people's bodies, don't, don't care about people's physical health. I mean, Jesus cared about both. Jesus cared about eternity mostly, but he also cared about how people were doing in this world. 
you know, so we as Christians have to just be reminded, though, you know, to put most of our eggs in that eternal basket while also, you know, having some time for what's going on here. I mean, there are few Christians, few Christians who do more to help people's physical needs than Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse all over the world. I mean, they're there when disaster strikes. And yet, who is it also who's had television commercials in recent weeks sharing the gospel, inviting people to trust Jesus, other than Franklin Graham? I mean, so it's a both end, my friend. It's a both end. Those who love the Lord the most and, and think the most of eternity, they're the ones that do the most to help people also in this life. So where do all these orphanages and, and so many of these hospitals and these things, uh, homeless shelters, who do you think started them? Who do you think's running them many times? It's people who know the Lord and love people and have compassion, like Franklin Graham, like Samaritan's Purse. And yes, his dad was a world-famous evangelist. And yes, Franklin Graham is, is, is an evangelist in his own right. But, but Franklin Graham is meeting the, the, the needs of the whole person, body, soul, and spirit. And I'm telling you, that's the package right there. And, and that's the whole package right there. And, and if you want to really get involved in God's kingdom, um, he's gonna, he, he may have you, you know, maybe you'll, you'll be focused as much on physical needs as, as uh, you know, as, as spiritual needs. I mean, my, my twin brother, um, you know, he, he works at the, uh, the gospel mission uh, uh, in, in, the, in the city where, where we grew up. And so, you know, obviously they're doing a lot of work with, um, you know, obviously both the physical and the spiritual needs of people. But, but you know, God might use you as, as a teacher, as a, as a doctor, as a construction worker, as a whatever, wherever God plants you, you know, he will work through you um, just like he did through, through Nehemiah, for example, in the Old Testament, who was King Artaxerxes' cupbearer. So he had basically a secular job, but, but then God used him to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem. And so, you know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you have a job right now. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not this. I'm not that. Well, you know what? You might be able to do a lot more in your position than, than maybe a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or something like that because your gifts match what's needed right there. Okay. So, so bloom where you're planted and let the Lord use you. But first, you got to be born again. First, you got to be saved. First, you need to trust Christ as you repent and believe the good news. And then once the light comes into your soul, then, you know, things start to come into uh, focus on, on what this whole thing is about. And, and then the Lord will, will take, take it, you know, from there, obviously. But, uh, but that's where it begins. You know, Jesus said, you must be born again. Dan Delzell with us, and we're talking about the three C's from an article that he's written. And the first C is come. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest from Matthew eleven twenty eight. The second C is cast. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you from First Peter 5, 7. And then confess. If we confess our sins, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness from First John 1, 9. And, you know, the three words, come, cast, and confess, are pretty prominent right now, especially with today's uh, environment and the climate. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned about these different people working, whether it be a construction worker or whether it be a doctor or a teacher or maybe just someone who's a caregiver or just someone, you know, coaching a baseball team, whatever it is, oftentimes, you know, we, we look at Jesus's ministry and a lot of it was one-on-one. It was one-on-one as Jesus being a person talking with somebody most prominent example would be the woman at the well um Mm -hmm. another prominent example could be with peter walking on the water um Mm -hmm. you know uh the woman that that they accused him accused her of adultery 
And yeah. so, you know, we like to think of the masses and, and, you know, the feeding of the 5,000 and, and the people right. that Jesus had to retreat from because, you know, the masses mm-hmm. were ascending upon him or descending upon him. But really, when it comes down to it, a lot of Jesus's work, you know, he had his, you know, 12 disciples, you know, and then the inner three. And so really, he really was working one on one. And so the point of that is, yeah, we look at pastors who have a congregation, but it's really the one on one in daily life where we can really have that impact, where we can really have yeah. that uh, influence, so to speak, over somebody and really share our testimony by how right. we live our life and what we do. And so, yeah, for anybody out there that might be listening and, and think, well, you know, I'm just this. Well, you're not just this. First and foremost, you're a child of God, which puts you well above just this. And second of all, right. your ministry is your life, whether it be a mother a father, yeah. whether it be yeah. a teacher, whether it be you know a bank teller, whether it be whatever it might be, gas station yeah. attendant, your ministry is your life, yeah. and you're going to come across many people during your ministry, and that gives you vast opportunity to be an influence on somebody. And it might be something as simple as just a smile. It might be something as as simple as, you know, just an exchange of words. And then maybe yeah. that leads to more conversation, more conversation, and nothing is more prevalent than your example that you give to somebody for them to come and say, why in this world of chaos, why in this world of anxiety, why do you have peace? Why do you have comfort? Why do you have compassion on these people? Why are you content yeah. with life? And then you can tell them about your eternal salvation with your relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that, that, that's for sure, son. And, and, you know, as you were sharing about just uh, a person's work, you know, I, I'm reminded of how Martin Luther 500 years ago um, you know, how, how he was used by God, not only, uh, to bring about, you know, the Protestant Reformation and, and just to refocus on the gospel message and that we're saved by grace through faith and not by works, not by, you know, religious deeds. Uh, you know, uh, he was protesting some of the things that the Roman Catholic Church was teaching, uh, regarding works and even, you know, they were selling indulgences, you know, uh, supposedly, you know, uh, people could pay money and have their sins forgiven. So, you know, Martin Luther was protesting. I mean, you know, I, I heard John MacArthur say uh, on, a, on an interview, uh, I didn't hear it live, but he was on last night, and then I, I listened to it, and, and uh, John MacArthur, you know, m- just made quick reference to that about how, you know, you know we, we were the first protesters, he said, re- pointing back to the Protestant Reformation. But, but you know, L- Luther's known heavily for that, obviously, but, but he's also known as someone who really taught about Christian vocation, and, and he really elevated, Son, um, this idea that every Christian, whether it be the farmer in the field or the mother at home, you know, nursing a child, um, you know, raising children. I mean, if we, I mean, I don't know how you can have a higher calling than that. I mean, to me, that's as high as it gets, you know, mother, you know, uh, raising children at home or, or in, in other cases, you know, the father along there, too. Or maybe the father is doing it, you know, in, in a home. But but um, historically, you know, the mother raising children in the home. Um, but whatever your calling, whatever your vocation, um, that that's equally important um, to God and, and to the kingdom as, let's say, the full-time church worker, okay? Um, because your vocation is where God wants you to be. And just as Son was saying, I mean, we, we, we need you there. God wants you there uh, to be salt and light in a world to help point people uh, to Jesus. Um, and, and, and again, um, you know, our, our Christian faith, it, it, it overlaps then with the kingdom of the world. Um, you know, it, it, it's no surprise, Son. Again, I'm going to just jump into a little you know, politics here for a second. But 
Um, I typically don't do that a whole lot. I know you don't either. But, you know, we live in a time where people are they're wondering, I mean, you know, what is to be the Christian response? Well, there's a reason why, you know, 80-some percent of evangelical Christians voted for Donald Trump in 2016. It's not because, you know, 80% of Christians think, well, he's just a perfect man or just a perfect moral character. I mean, everybody's sinful. He certainly has, you know, his share of issues as, as everyone does. But, but a huge reason why that happened is because his opponent, um, because, because Hillary, um, you know, was in favor of partial birth abortion. Now, that right there for many Christians just, you know, settles it. I mean, you know, uh, they say now that, you know, there really has been no president who has supported, you know, pro-life issues more than Donald Trump. Now, even if that's an issue that he has come to later in life, let's say, um, this is one reason why Christians, as a matter of justice, so many, such a high percentage of Christians have said, you know, um, you know, it, it's not that I agree with everything Donald Trump does or any other, you know, Republican or Democrat that I've ever voted for or, or liked or whatever, but, but it, it makes it a pretty easy choice for many Christians when the unborn, the most innocent among us, okay, are being stood up, are being stood for, being defended by a, a, a political candidate or a party. Uh, versus the other party. So that, that, that right there for many Christians would just settle it. Uh, unless there was just some really immoral position that, you know, let's say somebody was holding. Uh, and again, um, we're, we're not, uh, as Christians, uh, you know, um, you know, telling people how to vote. I, I, this is just basically an analysis of why so many Christians did vote for him. And, and today, you know, Christians look well, and not only at that issue, but, but they look at, okay, who, who would be for socialism? Who would be for law and order? Who doesn't seem to be speaking out against chaos? You know, I mean, you know, and, and, and in fact, in, in Michael Brown's article that I referenced earlier, uh, he, he made a point, Sean, that he was talking to a, I believe it was a pastor with the underground church in China that he was just talking to like in the past week who made this comment to Michael Brown. And he said, the only thing standing between America and socialism is Donald Trump. Now, that's an interesting comment from a, a pastor in the underground church in China. Um, but, but again, there are justice issues, um, primarily justice issues that, that Christians base their decision on. And so whether a Christian decides for one candidate or the other, um, you know, we, we do know this. Nobody's more vulnerable among us than the unborn. Nobody deserves a shot at life more than the unborn. Nobody should be protected more than the unborn. And, and, and the thought that an unborn child could be snatched from the womb, let alone a late-term abortion as ghastly, uh, just a thought as that is, that anybody uh, serving, you know, in a position of saying, I'm going to serve the country, but I'm not going to protect the unborn, that is anathema to so many Christians. In fact, I can't fathom how that, that could be acceptable to anyone uh, who, who identifies with Christ. You know, if we're not going to stand up for the weakest among us, be they elderly, be they um, a minority, be they an oppressed group, uh, be they be they an unborn child, if we're not going to stand up for them, then how in the world can we even talk about uh, the Christ of history uh, with all he did to give us life, to give us liberty, uh, only now about eternal liberty, eternal freedom. But, um, you know, so so this is one thing that I know gets, Many Christians, um, even more motivated to want to do things like vote and pray and help and, and, and do things like what Franklin Graham is doing. When we see injustice, when we see the vulnerable taking advantage of, when we see unborn children slaughtered, okay, 
it, 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 it stirs us to, to action because they deserve to know God's love. They deserve a shot at life, you know, and, and they don't deserve uh, to have their life taken uh, from them simply because they may be seen to be an inconvenience. You know, Dan, you, uh, when you're talking, I'm thinking about all the social causes that are going on in this world today. You know, we've got Black Lives Matter, and then, you know, right. people are saying, no, all lives matter. And then people are about, what about baby lives matter? And what about police? And then you look at some of the, the other social issues, you know, about women's empowerment, women's movement, you know, equal rights, you know. Um, you look at the past history of slavery. You look yeah. at all these things that are going on. And it's fascinating to know that there is an answer to all these things. Yeah. But yet yeah. people refuse to look at the answer. And the answer is in the Bible. You take a look, and yeah. even if you didn't want to believe in Jesus, and you thought that that whole thing was hokey, if you just took biblical right. principles of yeah. a marriage and, and the relationship between a man and a woman and how that should be, when you take a look at how yeah. you should treat other people, when you take a look at you know how you should conduct business, when you take a look yeah. at even just the yeah. Ten Commandments, let's just start there. Oh, my goodness. You the, could, the, the Beatitudes, you know, Jesus and the Beatitudes. You've got the I mean, answer. Like you, say, you live by the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments, and tell me your life's not going to be a lot better than if you don't, you know? Yeah, and you can reject the whole salvation plan if you wanted to. Right. But if you just live right. your life by those principles, let's yes. just start there. You would yes. have the solution to a lot of the problems that we have in the world today, and yet we want to Amen. look at, like you said, Marxism and all these other things, these, these fallible right. people that came up with these ideologies. Right. We want to look at those things as the answer, and yet it's been yeah. proven time and time again that mm-hmm. when you take these, the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, for example, you just take those things. I know uh, Dennis Prager did a big uh, book one time on, uh, he's a conservative uh, talk show host mm-hmm. that people might mm-hmm. know, um, but he yeah. did something about just, and he's Jewish, and so it's always interesting yeah. listening to him talk about you know the Bible. But he said, just right. live your life by the Ten Commandments, and your life is going to be so much better. And you, yeah. and you, and how you feel, and how you, you know, just yourself. Forget about the world around yeah. you. Just yourself is going to feel a lot better by doing that. So again, all the answers yeah. to all these things are right there in the Bible: the Beatitudes, Ten Commandments, yeah, yeah, other yes, principles. And you know, one thing because I think it's a great segue into it. One thing that that also then. Um, leads me to think about from scripture is this, uh, and, and I, I completely agree with you that if, you know, people were to just live by those principles, it would bring so many, you know, benefits to, uh, society and to families and, and to individuals. Um, but, but then when we come back, uh, to the most important issue that you and I talk about and Christians talk about, that is the soul. We say, okay, now let, let, let's apply that same principle then to eternity. Um, does it give us the same benefits in eternity that it would in this world? And that's where then the Bible comes in with, with a quick no, it does not. And I'll give this example. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees one day, and, um, and you know, they, they were relying upon the law, or what they, they thought they followed the law pretty well, if not perfectly. And, and they were relying on the law for, for their righteousness before God. And, uh, and, and Jesus said, hey, you know, guys, don't think I'm going to accuse you before the Father, you know, in heaven. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. Now, that statement right there, son, is so incredibly revealing and profound and, and just eternal. Uh, what Jesus was telling them is this, okay? When you stand before, you know, we stand before God one day, um, you will be accused by the law that was given to Moses because you assume that the law makes you righteous because you assume that you obey it. But what you don't realize is that whoever keeps the whole law, as James says, 
and yet someone who just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So that's such a profound statement. Jesus said to them, your accuser is Moses on whom your hope is set. And, and so those who rely upon the law, those who rely upon uh, their observance of the law, son, they are under a curse, the Bible says in Galatians uh, 3.10. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. Now, somebody might say, wait a minute. That seems to contradict what, what Son just said and what you're saying, Dan. I thought you guys just said that you live by the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes, your life will be much better. Yes, okay, in this world. What Son said, if you listen carefully, what Son said was, you know, even if you did, didn't want anything to do with the Jesus stuff, you just, you mean, even that, the biblical principles, it would make your life better. But, but, but what, what, what we're saying, though, in the very next breath is this. However, okay, at the end of the day, um, it would be very foolish to live with only that focus and not a focus of the, of the deeper eternal message of salvation, because notice what, what Galatians says, all who rely on observing the law, that is, okay, if you rely upon it for your righteousness before God. So we're talking about two different people. We're talking about, you know, um, let, let's just say two groups of people, both of whom are going to hell. Okay, if I could just put it bluntly. Okay, we all deserve to go to hell, so please don't be offended. We all deserve to go to hell. But two groups of people who are both going to hell. One group, like the Pharisees, they're relying on the law for salvation. They're going to go to hell unless they repent because their faith is in their works and in their obedience to the law, which they fall short. And if you're not perfect, you don't get into heaven unless you have a per perfect sacrifice, you know, through faith in Jesus. So that's the first group. The second group that Son was pointing to is let's just say you get away with the Jesus thing in your mind and you just try to live by those principles, okay? That is also a hell-bound group because even though, as we say, yes, it could bring some benefits to your life. Um, you know, if you don't commit adultery and don't steal, and if you honor your father and mother, your life is bound to go better than if you, if you do those things, okay? If you get into those uh, temptations. But having said that, remember, we're talking about somebody who wants nothing to do with the Jesus thing. So if you don't want Jesus, you just want those principles, all right, well, then you still get to the end of your life. You still stand before God one day on Judgment Day. You're still naked spiritually. Well, but I live by the biblical principles, Lord. In fact, the Bible even talks about those things. Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not do this and do that? And I'll tell you, son, it just breaks my heart every time I hear Maybe a, a religious speaker, um, you know, use that almost as a as a, a club over the heads of, of 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 people to try to get them to do more, you know, for the Lord. Um, when when really what Jesus is saying is that these were people who 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 got denied heaven because they were relying upon their works. Okay, notice what those people in that very familiar passage found what they didn't say. Okay, they said things like, "Well, didn't we drive out demons?" And you know, "Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that?" Notice what they didn't say. They didn't say, but Lord, didn't we trust in your cross for salvation? Didn't we rely upon your blood to forgive us? Didn't we rely upon grace rather than the law? See, they didn't say that, Simon, because they weren't saved. See, they weren't, they weren't being told, depart from me, I never knew you, because they didn't do enough. They were being, they were being told, depart from me, I didn't know, know, uh, know you, because they weren't doing it with the right motive and focus. It wasn't that they didn't do enough. You know, that passage is, is not to be used as a club over baby Christians, let's say. Well, you need to do more, because remember, the Lord said, you know, depart from me, so you better be worried about where you might be going. That's a, a terrible way to minister to people. That is not the biblical way at all. 
You know, you, you've got to lead people to the gospel and, it, and then you've got to feed people so that they grow out of spiritual infancy. And just because somebody might be displaying some signs of spiritual infancy, i.e. jealousy, quarreling, like we've seen Corinthians and so forth. And we've all, you know, we've all still got things God's trying to work on us and, and work out of us, okay? Um, just because somebody might still be living as a spiritual infant is no reason to threaten them with this thought that Jesus might say to uh, you, part from me, I never knew you. And by the way, I mentioned John MacArthur earlier. Um, you know, as faithful of a Bible teacher as John MacArthur has been over the years, the reason I wrote an article here a couple of months ago called Sifting Through um, Lordship Salvation, or I'm sorry, Sifting Lordship Salvation and Free Grace Theology Through Scripture. A person could look it up. Uh, it's there at the Christian Post. Um, it, it, it's because I did take some issue with um, the fact that, that, that one thing that John MacArthur, sometimes he, he kind of mixes up a bit. Um, he, he seems to really mingle at times justification and sanctification. He, he, he seems to really want to base a person's assurance of salvation um, as much on, let's say, their life as on the cross of Christ. Not that he's not preaching the gospel, because I, I believe ultimately he is, but he just has this tendency um, to want to point people so much to their life, you know, the way James does. It's almost like if we preach James heavier than we preach Romans. Okay, I'm just even listening... Uh, uh, to part of James today, um, as I was working out this morning, I was listening to uh, to, to James and, and that familiar, that one verse that talks about, well, you know, so you're not just justified by faith, but also by what you do. You know, that's a very challenging verse that you cannot take out of script, uh, out of context. And, and if you do, if you don't read it in light of the dozens and hundreds of verses that teach salvation by grace through faith, I mean, read Romans. You know, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I mean, over and over again, Paul pounds that home. And and, and so I just feel at times that, that John MacArthur, you know, he, he, he's a bigger fan of James, perhaps, whether he admits it or not, that he would be maybe a Paul. And and it also helps to explain to me why Martin Luther had uh, had such an issue at times with James. Not that he didn't believe um, in a way that it, it was God's word, but um, because if you, you can't just take a person, let's say a person's, you know, 100-page letter. You can't just take one statement out of that letter and then build the whole case for what they're trying to say to you in that one statement. And I'm afraid this is sometimes what people do with James or with that verse I quoted about, you know, Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. You've got to read it in context. A key principle of biblical interpretation, you know, hermeneutics, is Scripture interprets Scripture. You know, Son, if you were to say something to me that really strikes me as odd or off, or almost even maybe just like, boy, that doesn't sound like fun. I, you know, say you were saying something personal to me that, you know, I'd be like, well, boy, I really want to filter that. First of all, I'll get clarification from Son, but I really need to, I really need to look at that in light of the hundreds of things that Son has said to me, you know, over the years, not just that one statement that maybe I'm hearing it wrong or maybe this or that. So we can't go to the Bible and just, you know, build major doctrines over one statement. And thankfully, and I'll leave it at this on, thankfully the Bible is very clear on the gospel. And again, John MacArthur, he presents the gospel, um, but uh, I'm not the only Christian who has at times taken a little bit of issue with, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the approach he uses to try to, you know, try to nudge Christians, uh, you know, to do more, do more. And uh, so anyway, um, maybe, maybe another talk, we can pick that up, uh, you know, at a later time. Yeah, and one of the things that um, 
you know, it's kind of unfortunate in the Christian world is that a lot of churches do kind of take little snippets and they create some stuff and then it just kind of gets confusing to people. But um, as we wrap up here, Dan, one of the things that we've been talking about is the foundations, you know, foundations of our country, the biblical foundations of our country, the biblical foundations of our of our life, of marriage, of all these different things. And it all comes down to when when you have a foundation, you need a cornerstone. And a cornerstone which to build upon is the rock, and the rock is Jesus. And that's the thing that we need to know when we and remember when we talk about foundations is that, you know, I love going to the beach. That's one of the hardest reasons why I haven't left California yet is because I love the beach. And I'm always tickled when I see these kids. They build their sandcastles on the beach right Mm. next to the water and then the water comes and in an instant destroys (laughs) you know 30 minutes of them getting their little buckets and filling it up and making their little you know castles and stuff and the reaction is always the same it's like disbelief it's like frustration it's like and we're sitting there and it's like that's just that's just being a kid but you know when you take the application it's like that's what it's like not having a foundation it's not having a cornerstone yeah. it's building right. your life upon the sand you can work and work and work and in an instant a little water comes and the whole thing is back to sand and exactly. so for us as christians and for anybody that wants it the cornerstone is christ he's the rock upon which we can build a secure life and we need to remember that when the waves come crashing down the waves of change the waves of chaos the waves of corona you know there's always that hope but that hope in the foundation that jesus the hope of glory and that's the thing that we have to remember that if we always go back to him we can come to him and give him our burdens because he will give us rest we can cast our anxiety onto him because he cares for us and ultimately like we've talked if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and we can spend eternity in heaven absolutely sonny and you know in hebrews 13 8 it says jesus christ is the same yesterday and today and forever so in the midst of all the change jesus doesn't change and and one day son you know you and i and all who uh, no Christ, a Savior, will be experiencing a world that is, you know, really beyond our imagination right now. Uh, but when we get there, it's going to just blow our mind, and and it's going to be so just beyond anything we could even have comprehended here in this life. So, um, so that's that's the message, Son. And again, thank you for this opportunity just to uh, visit with you today on, on your podcast about these important issues, and just for all you're doing to help turn people's eyes toward Jesus in the day when. You know, there's sure a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of static, a lot of chaos. Um, and uh, we're just trying to help people experience inner um, peace, even in a world that, that is in so much turmoil right now. Dan Dozell, you can find him at the Christian Post, writes lots of articles. Just go to Christian Post and search his name. And then also um, you can find, if people want to reach out and email you, for example, maybe a little bit more on something, how can sure. they find you? Of course. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to have anybody reach out to me at uh, Dan Delzell, D-A-N-D-E-L-Z-E-L-L at coxcox.net, and I'd uh, be happy to hear from anyone. And for me, you can follow me on Instagram at edemrocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S, and um, my email is just my name, sonedem at gmail.com. And so, yeah, reach out if there's something that you uh, want to know more about, or maybe you have some questions, or maybe you disagree. Uh, we always like to hear from you. And uh, again, Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it. We look forward to next time when we get to have these conversations and uh, and see where they might lead. Oh, that sounds fantastic, Son. I, I look forward to that very much as well, and we will we will be talking to you then. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.